How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? I'm tired. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I have a reason this time besides just depression, lack of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, as all the viewers can see behind me, yeah. I, ha- I have a pet buddy now. I am mm-hmm. fostering a dog. I'm probably going to adopt if they're not like a total asshole. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, this, I like that you cutie, said that for for the dog as well as the listeners. You just I look over and like shape up, <laughs> shape up or ship out. You know. Uh huh. No, I'm sure a lot of these things will like shake out with time. I'm not super worried about it honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but with like the medication she's on, she's drinking more water and has to pee more. Mm-hmm. So at least two nights in a row, there's been like a a two or three a.m. like here's pee pee time. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she will wake me up, and then I look at the phone. And I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and I get uh, dressed to be outside. True hydro, homie. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I'm just fair. a little bit shifted with that, but otherwise, uh, I'd say things are going okay. How about yeah. you? That sounds pretty good. I mean, uh, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. I have tomorrow off, so I'm excited for that. I actually like as soon as my brain is like, "Tomorrow is a day I have off." I like forgot that it is not currently Friday mm-hmm. as of recording. And so like, as uh, my wife and I were like planning out, like how we want to organize the things we want to do. There's just this massive gap where I just completely failed to acknowledge Friday in any capacity. Like I'm just, it's, it's done something to me or my family and I'm just not acknowledging its existence. And like, to the point where she started to get a little confused, she's like, couldn't we do that? Like Friday, like we can eat those leftovers on like Friday. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> um but no, I'm looking forward to that. So that's pretty exciting. Got uh plenty of games to play, uh which I'm excited for. Um more things on the docket that uh I have not even unwrapped. So um that's always nice. <laughs> and then on top of all of that, Dave was like you have to play Lies of P. <laughs> like for the podcast. <laughs> Let's get through this. <laughs> and I was like, it does. I forgot about it. It, it does actually seem pretty fun. So I, I'll, I, I do want to get back into it. Uh, imagine me is like the the grandparent or some elder in Jake's family who's passed mm. down an heirloom. It's like a little bit worn with time. Yeah. But it still like has some pieces of like valuable metals, or, like 24 karat gold in there, right? It just needs like a little bit of love and polish and attention, just a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And then somebody will be like, hey, Jake, aluminum foil. And he's like, no fucking way. Uh-huh. And then he'll play a game for like a week. And then someone will be like, hey, Jake, what about this saran wrap with extra cling? He's like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's just, you know, off to the races. The problem is like I distract myself sometimes because I think this comes from a lack to prop a, a lack of properly aligning my desire to play games in general with like my desire to play a specific game if that makes any sense. I'll try to define that. I bought the game Against the Storm because I was like this is a very interesting game and playing a city builder roguelike sounds kind of interesting to me. But I did not launch the game because all of these other games are below the threshold of the, like, I could play these right now, right? It doesn't require any sort of uh, incentive to, like, jump into it. I don't need ambition to launch it, right? Or get back into it. Yeah. Barrier to entry is lower, I would say. 
there's less inertia. Um, so that's why the list of games that I own continues to grow and the list of games that I play continues to shrink. I'm more of a, a hobbyist, a collectionist, if you will. Uh huh. I yeah. just want to have a cool Steam library to show off to people. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where Game Pass is increasingly nice because it's like at least I never bought these games that I didn't play. <laughs> they just rotated out and d- just they faded beyond. Right? They they passed yes. in the window pane. And I'm uh, looking I lost forward to like when something I'm actually interested in uh, comes up, yeah. or maybe trying something out that I wasn't sure about before. And then I find enjoyment from it, mm-hmm. but ninety percent of the stuff that's on there, just like with a massive humble bundle thing, I'm like, don't give a shit about this. Don't give a shit about this. Don't give a shit about this. Because mm-hmm. um, like maybe it's like a really cool RPG that you spent like three years of your life on. Um, maybe like your characters are cool, and like I don't give a shit though. Like mm-hmm. there needs yeah. to be a hook for me to get involved. Um, otherwise, I'll just kind of just uh, dismiss the whole thing. I mean, it, it sounds pessimistic, but that is the reality of it, right? Video games are an ocean of yes. content, and we are but a small fisherman on a lone island. Um, and occasionally we could just pluck one out, and we're just like, we look at it for a second, and you're like, I'm going to throw it back. <laughs> if you've played Animal Crossing and you've caught sea bass, uh, you know what this is like. We're like, oh, another sea bass. Hooray. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it needs to be novel or has has something yeah like youtube has been recommending me like hey have you seen this uh, trailer for hell divers 2 i'm like yeah looks super fucking boring to me <laughs> it's not something yeah. that i would like to do mm-hmm. um but maybe it is good i don't know mm-hmm. i do want to start uh continue the tradition of preparing a whole bunch of notes and then opening with something that's not even on the notes. Did you see um, Donkey's uh, video where he was playing some of the games they had for the uh, Big Mode Game Jam? Yeah, I checked it out. Did any of those games seem interesting? They were all pretty much like a novelty thing for me. The Ski Slope one seemed like it would be funny for an hour if you had friends over and like oh. people were taking turns on it. But beyond that, no, not for me yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of what I would just consider indie games, mm-hmm. where like maybe the idea is cool, you're making a game, and you're not like a, a huge studio, right? But I don't, I don't want your uh, yard sale game. Thank you, mm-hmm. but no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of maybe it's maybe it's too aggressive to pick on them a little bit because they are pretty much all single serving. We made this in a day or a week or whatever type games. I don't know what the length of the game jam was, but they're not meant to be like critically played for an extended period of time or critically reviewed single mechanic. If that mechanics novel, good job accomplished. Right. Um, But how do you, okay. I'll, I'll ask another question then. How do you like the idea of big mode running these game jams? And uh, Donkey, in particular, has continued involvement in the indie sphere. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm fine with it. I haven't followed Big Mode too much outside of their initial debut of, yeah, Donkey's been doing video game stuff for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fine if he's involved with it. But I will say, like, if he keeps doing content like that, mm-hmm. it's not something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, right. 
unless maybe he does cover something, I mean, outside of a game jam, just in the indie space, kind of shedding light on, hey, here's this cool thing that right. maybe I wouldn't have heard about before. Because, like, Omori was never recommended to me. At some point, it was just through the grapevine. Mm. And I'm glad that it was uh, it came through the grapevine or the algorithm. Mm-hmm. So maybe that could be another avenue to highlight some cool titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't want that to be his whole thing because yeah. it's not entertaining per se. It's more informational than anything. Right. I think that's a fair take. Um, I don't think it. I don't think that's going to be his primary form of content. I mean, Donkey's done like a crazy amount of things as far as like there have been um, like reviews of film as well as video games and all this random stuff in the industry. Um, so I doubt that'll change. I doubt it'll just be like, watch me play for, you know, indie games back to back for this video very much. Um, but I, it'll it will be interesting to see what the mix is, you know, when you're. Uh, I I would say that he's he's probably a front runner for like the indie publishing space because he just has so much momentum as the the individual video game donkey mm-hmm. um, that uh, it carry it carries some weight when you're like hey uh, I could be working on a game jam game for you know big modes game jam compared to maybe something else that might not get the uh, the attention so i saw it in the comments to that video like a lot of people were those indie game developers they were like hey thanks for the opportunity um you know i know our, our game didn't get shown here but you know it was a good experience or whatever um so it's cool it's cool that that exists i do want to see him set up against at least uh if not against then in contrast to the triple a game sphere because um, we'll get into it with some of the news for what happened, you know, this month uh, in gaming. Uh, but there were some ups and downs. <laughs> so that's how it is. Yeah, I will also say. Like, if you make your own thing and it's like a passion project and you love it, whether it's video games, music, something else. Um, it's not easy as an individual just be like. Uh, here's all my stuff. It's now out there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we were doing stuff on, I mean, we still post this on Facebook, but they'll say like, "Hey, do you want to pay for like some advertising space mm-hmm. to kind of you know shotgun this out to people?" Um, I, I've done it once or twice mm-hmm. for shits and gigs. Um, but like, you really have to spend time and effort and networking and having social media and doing stuff like that. Right. Um, so it is huge for developers to have kind of an avenue with that, whether it is a game jam or I don't know if you've been, I mean, it's been a while since you've been at a convention, but they'll have like stalls for indie games where it's like, Hey, here's yeah. this thing that I worked on. Like, come try it out and we can talk about it if you want. Yeah. Hey, this part it, was really cool. Hey, this part wasn't as fun type thing. Um, it's been a long time since we had a soapstone stall to expand our audience. Like it's easy to forget that not everybody's where we're at right now. You know? That's true. Yeah. Um, what's the price of milk? Like $10. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> what's it cost? Two bananas. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's fair. Uh, but that wasn't on the list. Stuff that is on the list is I saw this uh, personally in uh, Moore's law is dead video. Um, but I saw there was mention of it somewhere else on Discord. Rumors of 
a new PlayStation Portable, uh, perhaps a Vita 2, are in the rumor mill. Mill? 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 Mill. It's really hard for me to say mill. Uh, How do you feel about a PlayStation Portable 2? Don't give two shits. That's fair. Next topic. But here's the thing, right? (laughs) Um, We're in a a time where there are a lot of mobile things. Mm -hmm. People are like, hey, that Switch is doing good. Steam's like, well, what if we had one? What if we had like a a Steam Deck? Mm -hmm. And other things are being made like that where it's still a portable uh, game system. But the focus is kind of like, hey, you're essentially holding the screen, but it's a lot bigger than Game Boy. Granted, yeah. Game Boy was at a time where you had very limited technology and graphics, mm-hmm. so it was working with what it had. But now that we're in the modern era, we're like, uh, can we get that on a, a screen to go? Right. So I think this is just um, Sony's way of getting in that space as well, because mm-hmm. I imagine it'd be somewhat similar. Yeah. I'm sure that there's there's people at the company who like were never really satisfied with the PSP uh, or or the Vita. I don't even know if that was the same product. To be honest, I'm probably conflating two different things. Um, but I I I definitely agree with that, right? But I I the the point I disagree with is like I don't know if we're in the golden age of handhelds right now. Like as far as like mobile gaming, I think what happened is like phones took a massive chunk of that. And that's where a lot of people who are who are gaming mobile are at. what they're actually doing is they're playing on their phones. Because like if I think about mobile gaming, I don't think about holding a full size switch, going to what you said, right? Like, yeah, it's a mobile console. Absolutely you can play with that like that. Most I, of the time I don't like the feel of Joy Cons. <laughs> so like this isn't for real. You know, Joy Cons blow. Um it's not the way I would I would separate with it. that into there's mobile gaming where it's like a phone game, mm-hmm. which is just like Hey, do you have a thumb? Cool, you'll be all right. Yeah. Versus what I, and maybe this is me just saying the same thing in just a different fashion. Mm-hmm. Portable gaming, right? Where basically you still have like a full game system. It's just you don't need to hook it up to a TV. It has its own TV baked in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. This is. I mean, I don't know if I have my pulse on the industry, but I don't really know if portable gaming to, to continue to use that term if that really is something I have any interest in or in general, there would be too much interest in like, yeah, that's why I said, I don't give a shit about a PSP Vita yeah. too, because I mean, I have a switch. It is portable. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only played it like in holding it in my hands when I've had like terrible poops. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, let me find something I can play. Oh, story mode of smash ultimate. Cool. Mm-hmm. But like, that's it. Um, yeah, it's also like in in the same way. It's it can be difficult to compete in the digital distribution space with Steam. Like I'm not sure how many people want a portable system that's not going to be as adaptive as a Steam Deck, right? Like if you were to say like, "Here's the Steam Deck, but it only plays PlayStation games," I would be like, "Okay, <laughs> why did you make this?" Right? Yeah. Um, like because most of the types of games I feel like that come out in that portable space, I'm thinking like Stardew Valley, things like that, Hollow Knight, even like these are going to be multi-platform games that you could already play on a Steam Deck, and then if not that, probably a Switch. So like, is PlayStation trying to enter this market as a third-tier offering for portable gaming? Like that doesn't. What does that mean? Like, what are you trying to do? I don't know. 
in my mind, like, when you think of Sony PlayStation, what do you think of? For me, it's, oh, fighters. Oh, it's racing games. Oh, it's some other very specific thing. But I think a lot of them tie more to, like, you need the reaction time, at least for, like, mm-hmm. a fighter. Yeah. And having my hands, like, I have it up like I'm holding a box, basically. Granted, it's probably not that big. It's it's kind of close to the traditional fighting stick and buttons, Dave. That's all I'm saying. It's pretty close to it. Right, but like nobody does that. They <laughs> fight pads are way closer. Um yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just I don't I don't play enough PlayStation games to be like, oh, this would be really good on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I imagine like something like a platformer or something that would be slower paced. Mm-hmm. could maybe fit there a sack boy or something yeah but like i don't know why would you pick that over something else yeah like it would mm-hmm. have to have some very specific first party titles to be like oh i'd pick this psp vita 2 over a steam deck or some other similar offering yeah it is worth declaiming d- disclaiming that we're probably not the target audience for this sort of thing either because like the idea of portable gaming is almost completely pointless to me. Like if I'm going somewhere, it's to do something and there's not like a period of downtime where I'm like on a train for hours or like, you know, an extensive commute where I'm not the one driving or something like that. So like there really is not an opportunity for me to play a game. Like the closest thing is if I don't want to leave bed, Like that is the close, the best argument you could make to portable for portable gaming to me. Yeah. And, like, couches are pretty comfortable, so there's no reason for me to purchase this. And the existence of the Switch completely eclipses that. Because, like, if I wanted to, it could be portable. So, But we probably ragged on the idea enough. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah. Get your act together, Sony. Uh, watches this rumor. Also, this is just a rumor, so this may never be a product. But it's funny to spend, you know. 10 minutes just mocking them anyways who are we fox news <laughs> oh geez yeah um we're not i gotta i gotta just claim that too yes uh not even friend of the show a rare occurrence um on the enemy list. of the show i would enemy, say enemy of the show i don't know if i want to go that far i will say that their legal team has proven to be better than our legal team fair um, <laughs> but also their cunts yeah we've never won a case it's, That's it's worth true. mentioning that. Um, Tile World came out this month. We talked about it earlier. I don't think we need to like give it a mini review or anything like that. But I just want to list off a couple of factoids. Uh, massive adoption. Um, there was over 4 million copies sold in the first three days. Uh, it is the second uh, highest game for uh, peak concurrent player count on Steam. Um, at... Uh, did I have the count here? Yeah, 1.8 million players was the was the peak, um, which is apparently uh, behind PUBG. I didn't realize that they were the highest um, at 3.2 million players, Jeez. which is so many people. Um, but everybody's talking about Pal World, and I don't know if it's necessary to jump in with more than we've already said. We'll see if they get sued out of existence. Who knows? Um, it's it's relatively fun. Anything to add for Pal World? <laughs> or you want to grab the next? <laughs> something else to talk about. 
Uh, there's a trailer for Death Stranding too. Did you watch it? I did watch it. I did, yeah. Okay. Uh, they they teased it before at mm. some Jeff Keighley show. It was the announcement, I think, right? Where they're like, hey, yes. we are 100% making this game. Uh, it was a trailer with like a... It was basically just a teaser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, as always, it looks interesting because Kojima's design on stuff is always fun and novel. Um, <laughs> I have other words. <laughs> It's true. I, I've never seen any of his designs been like, this is completely boring and uninteresting. Let's put it that, that is, way. That is true. I see his designs and I was like, this man is barely connected to reality. None of this makes any sense. Why does this exist? <laughs> yeah. But like, I liked that. Uh, what the fuck's your name? The fragile lady fragile. had like these little a glove mm-hmm. uh, scarf, which then like covered her her mouth yeah. she's exactly like, like a extra opposable limbs it's kind of yeah. cool and there's like a little terrifying puppet thing that sam had uh, yeah i don't they... i don't know what's happening in anything i didn't finish the original game so yeah well the puppet the puppet had nothing to do with the original game that's entirely new but there's two things i want to mention about the puppet one the puppet is just like another voiced partner type character mm-hmm. and it seems like it's sort of they they have a little interaction where it's kind of a riff on um Mimir from God of War mm-hmm. I think because uh he almost puts it on his back and he's like whoa whoa like not your buttocks it's like I want to be like the the shot I'll be wanting to be riding shotgun so he puts him in the front I was like that was a God of War reference I bet <laughs> but also the puppet the, the point too is like the puppet is actually like animated at a lower frame rate than everything else yeah it's almost like he's supposed to be a part hologram yeah mm-hmm. like that's the the kind of vibe it puts off at least it's really weird it's it's a very strange visual effect to have one thing on the screen be a different frame rate yeah oh. and also a uh, main character who supposedly died in the first game mm-hmm. is back but he looks like he's from kiss and he has a lightning guitar yes it's like a and gun. It's still voiced by troy baker <laughs> uh-huh okay i don't know yeah his his whole motif is just like flamboyant does not even begin to describe what this character has going on. Like absolutely watch the teaser or the trailer. Um, It's super weird. They also have fragile, like uh, pretty much like exposition dumping across like the entire nine minute video. And it's like, it's so it's so weird to me because it's like these games are the definition of kind of like show don't tell but then they realize like nothing makes sense so they have to tell and like that's my gripe kind of with death stranding is you could get to the end of it and be like did any of this mean anything and if you just say no that is the most concise answer you can give (laughs) like like, hey we want to spend 20 minutes telling you about why uh this character is called mama and uh-huh. how she has like a, a ghost uterus that follows her around like some binding of isaac character um i'm like what does that have to do with anything <laughs> yes it doesn't it really um, doesn't um but was it interesting yeah, yeah i guess it's entertaining enough i don't know yeah i think my, my my final takeaway you could go back and listen to our impressions in like the death stranding episode if you want but my final takeaway was i went into the game thinking the gameplay would be like super boring but i might be interested in like the story and by the end of the game i was like i'm not really interested in the story 
but I found the gameplay strangely compelling. <laughs> and that's, that's where it ended up. So I don't know. I don't know what Death Stranding 2 looks like, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah. But speaking of sequels, mm-hmm. I was going to link it to you, but I figured it would uh, kind of come across your path anyway. A mm-hmm. Silent Hill 2 remake trailer. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. Um, I saw like snippets of it. I don't think I watched the entire trailer. I did see like the the pyramid head. I think that was pyramid head like teaser at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of looks like an action game, like which is a little bit odd. Like I know that Silent Hill 2 had combat. I didn't play it for the record, um, but a lot of people consider it to be the best Silent Hill. And uh, it wasn't because it was an action game. <laughs> I mean, I assume there has to be like an action component for you dealing with enemies or monstrosities yes um but you it was a type of game where like where resident evil was you know you got to be like judicious with headshots and stuff like that silent hill was like you should be running away <laughs> like most of the time it's actually mostly viable to just not engage at all like if you find yourself cornered you're, you're already screwed up right um but uh, the other thing was it looked a lot like some of the Resident Evil remakes that have uh, come out recently. And it's like, you know, it's not the same people, you know, uh, that are that are making it here. I looked up the developer. I think it's like Bloober or something like that. It's definitely not Blooper. I think it's Bloober. Um, they hadn't made anything else that I was like, it's worth talking about in the in the <laughs> podcast. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't hate the idea of some of these things being remade because there are some classic games which, granted, I should hop on the Resident Evil train at any point because it's always been like a cool series as an outsider. Uh Um, And since they're remaking these, I am kind of curious to dip my toe in the water. Mm -hmm. But I would need it to be cheaper for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Silent Hill 2, it's Konami, right? Konami owns that, I believe. I believe that's correct. Uh, I know Capcom owns Resident Evil. Are they owned by the same people? We don't actually. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure. Who owns Silent Hill 2? Because if not, I mean, it's the only comment we're going to get here is like, okay, yeah, it's made by Konami. It was originally developed by Team Silent. Um, And it's being remade here. So. Uh, compared to Resident Evil owner, which should be Capcom. And yeah, Capcom, Nintendo, Sega. It's all, It's been published by a lot of people at this point. Um, so I have a little bit of that kind of like Konami is touching this uh, fear with the remake. Because like I, I also I would be willing to give Resident Evil 2, not Resident Evil 2, Silent Hill 2. The, the old college try, right? Um, especially since it's supposed to be like more of the psychological type of horror and a little bit less like, ah, they're zombies. Um, where like in Silent Hill, the enemies are shaped by the internal turmoil of the main character. Like, this is a really cool idea. But then it's Konami, right? Yeah. I'm always going to be suspicious of them. And it's like we were know. just talking about Kojima and how like we we 
expect him to have all this novel stuff. And it's like Konami like dropped Kojima, right? Like the the stuff that they made that we really liked was probably because it was attached to Kojima. Konami is the 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 Plinko machine <laughs> company, right? Like that's yes. they're the Metal Gear Survive company. So I don't know. We'll see, I guess. I mean, maybe they have some visionary, some upstart that's going to change their direction, but Anytime mm-hmm. I hear like a big company and then they can somebody who is really their creative drive. Yeah. Um, you probably just fucked yourself. I don't know. A little bit. That's, Stick that's to Plinko machines, for. please. Yeah. Um, this other one probably don't need to talk about as much because we haven't covered the game yet. But Alan Wake 2 apparently had a patch where they uh, gave you an option to reduce the jump scare intensity. Because one of the few things I know about the game, because this has come up in like news and stuff, is like everybody loves it. Excellent game. Apparently, it just has jump scares for like little to no reason. And this has gone to the point of like someone's like, I really want to jump into like a new game plus type mode, but I just don't want to deal with the jump scares. <laughs> and so uh, I, I guess they took it to heart. And this last patch that they released uh, lets people dial it back a little bit. My question to you. Going into the game, if you knew that there was going to be jump scares, but you also know that that's not the main reason to play the game, would you reduce the intensity of those jump scares? And why or why not? I mean, the joke answer is no, it's not a bitch. Um, The real answer is... (laughs) Yes, because I am. (laughs) No, I probably wouldn't. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of jump scares. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, if they're put in initially... I think it's just to kind of create that tension and keep the player on their toes. Um, if I found it to be kind of like way too much or kind of annoying or grating, I could see mm-hmm. maybe reducing it later if you can change it mid-game. Right. Um, but yeah, it would really depend on how it impacted me in the moment. Because mm-hmm. like maybe I'm just like, a, hey, I just want to play the game and not randomly shit myself mm-hmm. type thing, and I could see modifying it then. Yeah. But I also think it'd be funny if it was like, oh, this jump scare here is like the wall breaks. Somebody comes through and they're screaming and they're bloody and there's a knife Mm -hmm. versus like somebody just kind of knocks on the wall. They're like, hello. Uh (laughs) Right. They just like like, it's insanely toned down. They nerf all the jump scares so that like uh, rather than being an instant effect, you see it like fade in and then fade out or something like that. (laughs) Um. I think that's a fair take. It must be a setting that you toggle on or off because I really doubt that this game's like you want to lock in hardcore scary mode like let's freaking go. Right. Uh, Absolutely not. Um, What I thought about, though, when I saw this was um, the original fear game and um, the creepy, the creepy Japanese girl who's I don't even think really Japanese, but you just have that association after the ring is Alma and that. And some of the early jump scares are related to seeing her for the first time. And like a game can do that right. But they also did it in ways that weren't like, ah, this person's just screaming at you. And they just jumped in the middle of your screen. It was like the very first time, I think, is like you're descending a ladder that you just went up to hit an objective or something like that. And you like see her feet like in the last frame when you start descending the ladder. Okay. It was That's so cool. cool. That's I was so good. 
that's actual like design choice mm-hmm. there, which is good. Yeah, I don't want the. I'm like exploring around looking for loot or ammo or some shit. Mm-hmm. And I open a locker, and then like something jumps out and it screams at me, and it's like yeah. super loud and overly intense. Eh. I, I yeah, just, I can I live without. I that. don't get anything from that. It doesn't add anything to it. We don't need like a banshee like encounter, right? So, um, but that's fair. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I don't have much to say beyond this, but there was a, a little bit of gameplay for Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines too, um, which so I'm mentioning here because to me, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> it looks so uninteresting to me. I think it could be. I think it could be good, um, but I don't know if I'm more over or under expecting it to be good yet. I mentioned this here because you know I know Ian listens. Uh, special guest Ian listens to the podcast, and he's always looking forward to this game. Um, coming out someday, I should say, and <laughs> not being in development hell forever. I like the idea of the lore in that space. Uh, it's just from oh, what yeah. they showed, mm-hmm. it seemed very pared down. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I know it's still very early, but it wasn't a it wasn't a showcase. I'd be like, hey, I want to recommend this to a friend type thing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. someone's like, hey, can you recommend like how do you feel about this one comedian? You're like, oh, they're good. You gotta check out a clip. You're gonna send them a good clip, right? Not like right. uh something I did twenty years ago type thing. Yeah, my my fear looking at this is it seemed like it was pretty like combat focused. It was uh someone beating up uh like mannequins in this like dreamscape and there's some other sequences and things. Um, the mannequins are fighting you, by, by the way. It's not like you're just <laughs> going into a warehouse. Fuck you. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not quite like that. Um, but it was clearly kind of like showing that it's going to be this uh, brawly type first person shooter type type game or not first person shooter, but first person type game, um, which I think is like fine on its own. But the thing that concerns me is the original game, like the combat was bad. Right, like legitimately bad. There wasn't really anything good about it, and the game was great, right? But it's because they didn't focus on the combat. In this trailer, they're focusing on the combat a lot, right? And if the combat's like mediocre, and they're not putting the focus on the other parts of the game to make it better, that's where my concern comes in. So yeah, I guess it's... I lied when I said I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> I got enough to say. Two minute dissertation. Uh huh. Well, just let me bust out my thesis here. No, it is one of those things where the initial showing is a little bit lackluster. So you're just kind of hoping that they will make up for it in uh, subsequent trailers. Yeah. Especially when it'll be more polished as well. Yeah. And this is one of those kind of doomed uh, IPs. Where it's very difficult to get like good games out of it sometimes, which is unfortunate because like I agree with you, the lore in Vampire is excellent, um, or the World of Darkness, I should say. Uh, brief aside, because I thought this one was funny. Uh, I'm sure people saw there was a Pokemon mod for Pal World that got taken down within like 24 hours. That was great. It actually led to a site wide ban on Nexus for any like Pokemon mods at all because they were like. Nintendo's gonna kill us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, probably true. It is possible. Um, they have the power to do that. <laughs> so the creator uh, created a mod that instead of adding Pokemon, adds Yellow Rat, Firefox, um, and then changed the, like, the first boss fight, uh, like the first trainer boss fight, 
with a trainer named Saul Goodman, and their uh, their pal that they use there uh, was DMCA Notice. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. It's cute. Yeah. Worth mentioning, at least. Uh, anything in this that you want to take and talk about? Anything, anything seem interesting, or should I do some, some rapid fires? Um, I, mean, I think it is worth talking about the, the number of layoffs that are happening kind of yeah. across the industry. Mm-hmm. For video we alluded games, to video that. Game related. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be a lot. Yeah. It's definitely more than just like the gaming sector, but um, absolutely in game development. Um, just to, to list these off, uh, Activision Blizzard, as soon as like that acquisition with Microsoft went through, it seems like they started cutting people. Um, IDOS Montreal laid people off and reportedly canceled the next Deus Ex game. So, I mean, I like Deus Ex. That's that's unfortunate. Um, the president of Blizzard, you know, left and was replaced with um, the Call of Duty general manager. Uh, Discord laid people off. Hasbro, the owners of Wizards of the Coast, was laying off members of, of the Wizards team. Um, it's just a lot. Right. Yeah, we're. Did it, I, any of these companies actually cite reasons? Is it just financial troubles, or? Yeah, the the one that comes up the most is like that they were operating too hot over the pandemic, when like a lot of these companies were raking in a lot of money, and then they were like, okay, maybe that growth isn't really super sustainable, and we need to restructure. That's that's mostly what's provided here. Um. Whether it's exercise or, you know, growing a company, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think part of it was just like so many, so many companies, especially tech companies, were making so much money. Stock was doing so well during the pandemic. Like that literally just slowing down the growth is enough for them to be like, oh, we should start cutting folks. And so um, it's it is unfortunate if, you know, you're affected by any layoffs in your industry. we we uh, feel for you there. It's very unfortunate. Um, but this is more evidence. You really shouldn't just trust big corporations <laughs> in their decision making here. Wait, what? Uh, to just be anti-capitalist for just a second. Like, they they knew or they had to have been aware that this growth might not continue forever. Um, and to not believe that is just kind of naive. And that's the type of thing you should hold against them. But they still chose to like bring on all of these people and put themselves in a situation where they would let them go later. So, yeah, here's the thing, though, like that's never that should never be a surprise, mm-hmm. because if you're a company, your overall goal is to make money mm-hmm. uh, to appease shareholders or whoever else. Um, so if you can basically strike while the iron's hot, you will do anything in your power to do so. Um, If you need more manpower to maybe get something out uh, for the sake of sales, you'll do so. Mm -hmm. Oh, are they costing you too much? Okay, layoffs. Yeah. Like, it's always going to be a risk reward for how much will it cost us to do this and Mm -hmm. how much will we get from it? Um, At the end of the day, like, they don't care about individuals or employees as a whole. Again, Mm -hmm. this is a widespread thing for uh, major corporations. I'm not targeting individual companies with a statement, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, it's going to happen. 
because of the the capitalism that's so baked into our society. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is true it is what it is and I mean this is one of the reasons that I think that uh there's been a little bit of a pushback. I'm, I'm seeing people talk more about um I, I don't want to say anti-incorporation, but uh remaining indie, right? One of the one of the uh things I wanted to note here was um Larian for Baldur's Gate 3 has mentioned that like they're not open to being acquired by anyone. Um and uh like they've they've gone so far as to uh there was a Ubisoft um announcement um where uh they said that players are going to something akin to players are going to get used to playing games on uh, subscription services or they won't want to own games anymore basically and whether there's a nugget of truth there or something you could derive from that that's a little bit positive um it, overall it's not a great sentiment for people who want to own things and spend money on things and then have those things stick around um so larry came out and said that you won't find our games on a subscription service uh and that's basically the reason you know they're they're trying to maintain a much more traditional we made the game ourselves we're not beholden to somebody else you bought the game you own the game and it's kind of nice that they're still proponents of that you know so i mean the main reason they did that is that you couldn't really beat Baldur's gate 3 in the time that it would be up during that subscription time right. so mm-hmm. there's no yeah. point really anyway there's, yeah <laughs> what are we at halfway through act two okay yeah time to <laughs> time to return it you remember those uh those blockbuster days or video game rental days where it's mm-hmm. like oh well I'm not actually done with the game, mom and dad. So if we could just if we could just, you know, cycle that one more time, be good if I could get through this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a different thing. Like there's obviously cases for it makes sense to rent versus own for certain mm-hmm. things. Um but for like major purchases like that, I typically want to own it forever. Yeah. I don't want to have a time constraint on it. Um if I want to install it later and be like, oh, I have a friend over. I'll show the game to them, right? Mm-hmm. It's nice to actually have that tangible and accessible. Yeah. Um, the same as like for uh, housing. Like mm-hmm. I'm in an apartment because I like paying dumb fees and not having a permanent <laughs> residence. Uh-huh. Um, but for me right now, it's easier to do that. But at yeah. some point in the future, or for anybody who is already doing this now in their early 30s, where they have a house is because they're like, hey, uh, we want to have full say over what we do with this. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. It's our space. We want to change it as we see fit. And that makes more sense to actually have it tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know we keep praising the uh, Microsoft Game Pass. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there are certain things that we don't necessarily want to spend full price on. We maybe want to try out. Mm-hmm. It's the same as like when you go into Blockbuster. Um, Oh, this movie came out. Is it good? I don't fucking know. Let's spend $4 and try it versus committing to buying it, right? Right. Because the movies we would typically buy, we would have watched first. Oh, we rented The Matrix? The movies kick ass. Mm-hmm. I want to have that in my own house so I can watch it again at some point in the future. Right. Yeah, I think you touched on the core of it for me. Like, the the, the core, like piece of truth that that runs through this as far as my opinion at least is like um i can support 
subscriptions and still support uh, ownership for things because I want there to be a choice, right? And so when Ubisoft comes out with a statement like this, they're like, oh, we want all of our games to be on subscription and blah, 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 blah. The rational fear is that's going to be the only option. And I can play a game on Game Pass, maybe like I play Persona 3 Reload, right? And it's just like, this is freaking awesome. I love this. I would be disappointed if at some point I was not able to play this. I can turn around and I could spend money on it if I wanted to and know that it's in my library, you know, forevermore, right? Same for like Darktide or any other game. But the majority of games I don't actually need to own forever, right? Um, And there's a good chance that if I wanted to play a game down the line, it could be cheaper. Um, if I'm able to play it on subscription now. So there's a very there's some utilitarian reason to try a game first with Game Pass and then buy it, which is what you mentioned. Um, and I think the uh, the anti-consumerism comes in if you say like, uh, we don't think that this game should even be available on a subscription service or we don't think that this game should uh, be available for purchase, you know, long term. And yeah, it's a. Uh a weird hard side for either case. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my concerns with a subscription only based model is rotation. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this happens in Netflix all the time where, Oh, I can't watch the office anymore. Oh, it's only in the UK. Use Nord VPN. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like that will happen where you basically, you're beholden to that library and what it's going to shift to. Yes. Maybe mm-hmm. you did want to check out Liza P. Oh, that expired last month. Sucks to suck. Yeah. So there might be other games you still have access to, but it's just what's within that cycle. Right. Um, so it doesn't feel as good to have that then taken away. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, otherwise, in news... Uh... Wanted to call out a couple things that have been funded here. One of them, I mean, I I think I started. I mean, I know I started a game discussion thread about it um, in the the Discord server. But uh, Stormgate uh, made a lot of money um, for their Kickstarter, and I don't know if we've really talked about it on the show before. But um, this Kickstarter wasn't really to like finish the development of the game. It was still around some of those features, free to play RTS. Uh, from some of the people who made um, StarCraft and WarCraft. Um, no longer with Wizards, obviously. Um, do you have any uh, any thoughts on the game? Any early impressions or anything like that? I haven't seen any gameplay for it or anything. That's fair. Um, I've seen I a little bit. appreciate some RTS stuff, mm-hmm. though I feel it is uh, far beyond my capabilities now. Uh, to be able to manage something like that. I mean, that's what that's what co-op modes are for. And I, I do believe they said that they were going to have some um, sort of... Uh, they even said like three-player co-op, which is kind of crazy to me. That was that exists as... Um, this is not their game, but if you own StarCraft uh, and the arcade mode for that, where people can like make their own games. Um, it took like a couple of years, I believe, but they have all three of the StarCraft campaigns mm-hmm. uh, wings of liberty uh heart of the swarm and legacy of the void all playable in three-player co-op and they ramped up the difficulty to accommodate that you just have like three bases more enemies all the mission objectives all the scripts all of it it's crazy um that isn't this 
uh, I hope this lands, but a free-to-play RTS makes me a little concerned about how they're going to really implement it. In some of the early looks, I'm like, uh, I'm not sure. But hopefully it succeeds. Commander skins. Mm-hmm. Commander skins, pretty much. I think they've said that they they want to release like mission packs for some amount of money, and I'm like, I kind of just want to like mm. own a campaign yeah. when I drop money on it, you know? But... I don't know if they bundle that all together and it's not going to be like a periodic release or something like that. And I pretty much am just buying a campaign. That's fine. Then it's the same thing. But um, then the other one I wanted to call out, although this has nothing to do specifically with video games. So I'll be brief, but there's one of the mats that are uh, uh, game masters. Uh, Matt Coville uh, is making an upcoming tabletop RPG with some mechanics that I'm, I'm a fan of. Uh, they got $4 million on backer kit um and it's think like D D or something with like like that but with more of a, a bar brawl focus uh to some of the mechanics and it's cool i recommend definitely checking it out they have um a youtube uh channel with a bunch of uh, mechanics questions and things like that and as they go through i'm like yeah D should have done this better it's the same thing when we were talking <laughs> about Baldur's gate 3 where i'm just like yeah, yeah, like absolutely got this core mechanic people have known for so long because it's not that good anymore. So it's cool um, to see that so yeah. many things can still get backed. Yes, that is true. Because I think like, th- a lot of people play games, whether it's a computer game, console game, or mm-hmm. like a tabletop RPG. And when you're playing it enough, you're like, I like this. Mm-hmm. I'd like to make some if, changes here. Maybe yeah, something a little better. Been better. Um, so eventually, like, like we'll talk about it at like a high level. Like, man, I wish they would change this. But then there are some people mm-hmm. who are like, "All right, I was up all night. I came up with a new game system." Yes. Um, yeah. And it's cool to see people who have that imagination and drive actually mm-hmm. make it tangible. Exactly. And then they kind of like put that idea out in the ether to other people. Like, hey, would you pay me money to like maybe make this become a thing? People are like. That sounds fucking cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely it's definitely for nerds, but it's like oh, yeah. if you played D&D or something like that and you're like and someone tells you like, "All right, in our game, when you roll an attack, you go straight to rolling damage. There is no hit." Like, if your brain just kind of like explodes a little bit or immediately starts to interject and be like, no, that's wrong because X, Y, Z or whatever. Yeah. Like you might be a nerd and that's that's <laughs> kind of what they're going for. Um, but I'm very excited anytime they talk about the ideas that they've discarded because they don't work for this reason or another. But um, other stuff. Uh, this one's a brief mention, but uh, there's a game called Rift Breaker came out some years ago. It was basically a mech base building tower defense esque not really survival crafting but more base building um type game it was it was pretty cool uh and apparently they're releasing an expansion or planning an expansion i should say that stress straight up adds co-op to the game so if it's uh, a reasonable price or add i might try to conscript dave and we can both drop planet side and build and destroy stuff in giant mechs I'll see you on the battle bus. <laughs> yes, on the battle bus. Where are we dropping? <laughs> um, I mean, I honestly would not mind um, some more co-op stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many of the games I still currently have in my library are... This seems like a cool single-player experience for me to try. Mm-hmm. And then I see friends playing things online. I'm like, I should 
I should pick up that yep. game that they're all yep. doing together, but I just don't have the interest in it, and I don't want to be like the the one stick in the mud that's being dragged along. Like I'm pretending to have fun with people so I can be social. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my uh, Bloodborne is a game I think about going back to sometimes. So I was like, I mostly just played that for the episode. It was fun. I have not gotten all of my enjoyment I want to get out of Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. I can't justify playing Bloodborne at all from a podcast content creation standpoint, from a multiplayer like social engagement standpoint. So it's it's so far down the list. But that's the way it is sometimes. Um a rare positive piece of news here. So NCSoft have uh, developed a lot of MMOs over the years. Uh, one of those MMOs was City of Heroes, which is no longer with us. It was decommissioned. There was a private server. I think it was called Homecoming um, that came up. And uh, NCSoft was just like, it is some years later, but they're like, hey, here is an official license. You can continue operating. Um, usually private servers you could say generously operate in a gray area. <laughs> yeah. Um, and most of the time you could be like that. Those are just the open seas of piracy, right? Like you own none of these assets and you're using them. Um, but uh, it's kind of nice. I don't hear about news like this for private servers all that often, even for games that are dead. So I think even a while back, Blizzard... Uh, I think shut down one of the last WoW vanilla servers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which people in the community were not super happy about because they're like, well, hey, you don't offer this shit, so what's up? You know what the other piece of context for that was is they cracked down on that and then they offered a vanilla server. Then they opened yes. that WoW Classic, yeah. Um, and yes, you could say, hey, this isn't that dystopic. They do literally own WoW. But it's still kind of scummy to treat your community like that. It would be better to entice them with a carrot to come back to the base game. Not be like, oh, you are most dedicated fans. We're cutting you off. right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's better to have some avenue of offering for things like that. It's the same thing with like uh, Nintendo's music. Mm-hmm. Like it gets used everywhere. We've used yeah. it for intros. We've used it for outros. YouTubers use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Silva Gunner. Um, yes. And then and that person's Nintendo's never like, hey, don't, don't <laughs> do this. Gunner's and people are like, we'll pay you money for it. Uh-huh. And they're like, but we're not going to offer you to have our music and anything. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, then people are going to continue to pirate it or use it against your terms of use. I, I don't. Yeah. It was kind of, uh, it reminds me of a quote. I think it was Gabe Newell, but if not, I'm attributing it to him. He was like, piracy is an issue of distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, yeah, there, there's always a, a you know a fair amount of, pri- of piracy. I don't think as much, really, as some people think there is. But I don't have the numbers. Maybe I'm wrong. But I guarantee a lot of people just stopped pirating games once they could just choose to buy a game and then have access to it even faster. You know, because the servers download real fast or something like that. So, do you remember? Do you remember Prohibition? Do you remember back then? <laughs> yeah, those those were the golden years for me. You know, back Jake in. doesn't drink, so it was great for him. Um, <laughs> Everyone's like me. But yeah, it's that thing of basically you're removing something that 
the general populace wants, and they will still find uh, a means to get it, mm -hmm. uh, even without that. So it makes more sense to make it as an offering, and then you know set it up with whatever protections. It's the same way with like other healthcare options or like abortion. <coughs> um, it's just you know, it's a lot easier and safer um, if it can be approved and monitored, etc. Right. Instead yeah. of forcing people to go through back channels. Yeah, I looked this up. Prohibition was apparently 1920 to 1933. So that was a little after my time. I wasn't paying that much attention during that. But um, I agree, <laughs> for the record. Um, and then, uh, you know, we've got we've to end, I think, on some, some positive news here. Um, I mean, the previous stuff was positive, too. But this is the most positive, right? Because it has to do with sex. Uh, so Cult of the Lamb apparently had a little bit of a... Uh, they, they announced that they were having an update. And people were like, is this going to be the sex update? Right? Because that's what people would ask. Um, if you'd known them for any amount of time, then you know. Uh, and they're like, all right, we'll do that. But only if we get like 300,000 Twitter followers. Which obviously immediately caused that goal to be smashed. Um, so... That is going to be the next update is the sex update for for Cult of the Lamb. Um, they're adding a mating tent for your little your little followers. Um, and apparently this can result in an egg, which then becomes a new follower. <laughs> they're going to have some sort of sin mechanic attached to all of this. I don't know. It's it's something. Um, and then you can so sacrifice the egg to feed your followers. <laughs> I mean, probably. You could already sacrifice your followers, so it wouldn't be a huge stretch. Um, how do you feel about the sex update for Cult of the Lamb? Is that what it was missing, do you think, in that launch? No. No? <laughs> my, my feelings are still kind of the same with Cult of the Lamb. Like, it's, it's cute and fun for, like, a playthrough, but there, I guess there's not enough in it to really have me go back to it. Mm -hmm. combat wasn't super great i did enjoy some of the uh cult management but after like a playthrough like i'm good i feel like i've seen all there is to see right but yeah it's it's a cool thing that they added it's just so it's, you think it's the mating tent that's the they didn't go far enough right it's they're, they're it doing the same orgy tent to yes, get me back at all naturally yeah there had to be something they have to go beyond the sims woohoo i think um if there's not like pixelated mosaics or something like that, what is the point? This is not really a sex update. I'm glad we're in agreement for that one. Um, they also Why apparently is this missing no on my sim? They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. also apparently added shiny poop uh, to the game, which is just like a rare poop uh, for people who play the game. Sometimes your followers just leave their poop in places, and I think you could like use it for farming, and this is going to be even better for that. So... Yeah, that's news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. It's like, yeah, all right. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, you know, that was January. I think we covered just about everything. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's absolutely all of it. I don't know why anyone goes anywhere else for news. No, we pretty much are the be-all, end-all. Mm -hmm. Everything kind of encapsulated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if for some reason you go somewhere else to news, uh, tell us where you go. Um, soapstonepodcast at gmail.com. Just let us know. We'll have our people reach out. 
Um, or if you have feedback on this episode and you want to discuss some of the all-encompassing 100% of news that happened in the month of January, you can do so at Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast, or, no wait, that's already said or, or Facebook. No, uh, yeah, we, we covered that. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. And as always. Oh, shit, you said that one. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.